Yeah. You don't think yeah. there's uh, – what if there's 10 good people in Austin? Will you still smite it? <laughs> That's not my call. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to go make some more good people out of that town. Hey, I love know, Austin, though. The good news is there's plenty of opportunity yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't do anything bad. I just, you know, if I bring one person Anything is, yeah. Any, yep. Yeah, that's true. We love you, Austin. Anyway, so uh, welcome to the Pop Culture Podcast. I'm Tom. And I am Safonic. And we have our favorite, Matt Ray, gets back with, with us this favorite. episode. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Uh, to, <clears throat> to round out the, uh, the voices. Um, today we want to talk about small faith communities. Matt has been uh, working a little experiment this year, um, expanding his yet team into... Youth evangelization team. Thank you. So it's not yet team because that would be yet team, meaning youth evangelization team team. <laughs> Too many teams. Because yet it's groups. Yet. It's just yet. Except you call it yet groups and it's youth evangelization team groups. So we just need to say with yet and leave it at that. Right, yet, so, period. Right. So Matt's expanding his yet into small groups, widening. <laughs> sounds it sounds weird. stupid. But you're casting your nets is what we're saying. Um, casting your net with the yet. Oh, boy. That's a t-shirt. That's a groaner. Dave, get on that. Um, so, yeah, this, this small group thing is a really cool ministry uh, method, strategy. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and uh, I guess I just want to hear more about it. and. Um, the hope you have for it. Well, you know, I, I wish I could say it was my idea because it would be a really great idea. It would. You'd make lots but of money. But Jesus kind of came up with it, you know? I mean, right. he called, as you hear a lot, he called 12 dudes and they went fishing and camping for three years. Right. Um, we also realized that that model wasn't um, a fail-safe model that was going to be free of controversy, or as Jimmy Fallon likes to say, controversy. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, because you look at you look at his twelve, um, one betrayed him for a bag of money and killed himself. Uh, another betrayed him, at least in knowing him three times, and had to you know apologize and come back, and then becomes the first pope. Right. Uh, everyone. All left. They all left except Saint John. Yeah. And we only know that in his gospel. So I mean, yeah. they all just kind of yeah. had some work to do. It was a work in progress. So that's the the basis for it, right? And then you you look over the over the the centuries in the church has been various attempts at this, and I think most recently uh, in in most recent history for me when I was growing up in the church I saw my dad as part of a small group ministry. Oh, really? During the charismatic renewal, oh. you know, cool. prayer groups. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was the like covert op name for Catholics that didn't want to be identified as you know Catholics that raised their hands in the air or prayed for outpouring the Holy Spirit. They just called them prayer groups, which just sounds so sterile doesn't it and then they would form a small group and they met on a regular basis and they mm. prayed together and great things happened in the church so this isn't new right but as i think we've become a society and i can't say that maybe countrywide but in our area our region of the world um here we've become a society of mega churches yeah which it's about big programs and big events which i also think at this parish we do a very good job at but it's how do we still take this big community and make it a bunch of small communities? Right, because I think – I don't know if you said it probably because it's smart. The bigger we get, the smaller we actually have to get to make an impact in people's lives. Um, and it is a unique problem to have here in Houston, I think. I, definitely up in Chicago, we don't have mega parishes like like we do down here. Um, so – but the small faith thing is not is not new 
to that area either or me either. Um, so what, what is your, like, what's your, what's your strategy been? What, what's the yeah. dream? Walk us through it. Well, when I was in high school here, we had a group called servant leaders and we've kind of, that's what's morphed for us into this idea of yet youth evangelization team. Right. Um, team the team. old model was like, put kids in groups, put an adult advisor or two in the group to guide them and mentor them and plan an event task driven, right? Like do something. Um, you know, and some groups could be like focused on sports, some on social, some on fundraising, some on worship. So we kind of got pigeonholed as teenagers into this specific area of service in the church that was judged by how well our event went. Ah, Mm -hmm. interesting. Not how people encountered Christ or how we were specifically growing in our faith. That was just like lanyap. Well, the hope was... that's a big word, Tom, for like extra. Lanyap? Lanyap. Have you ever heard that word before, Sponnet? No. It's, Did it's, they teach that in A&M? No. Boom, no. got them. No. <laughs> no, once the millennials came along and, oh. and we killed things like cursive, we also killed big cursive. words. Yeah. Do you know what that tweet. is? Cursive? I do. I learned cursive. I have a hard time writing in it. Um, Lanyap also sounds like LOL or like Raffle. It sounds like something you would text. Uh, don't look at me. Y'all write no in and what... teach Tom some things before he leaves here, like vocabulary cursive maybe cyrillic um anyway contemplative prayer see this is i knew i would have to you know jesus said this life is not all easy usually when you have help you're picking on me but this is great we're picking on tom yes fine so where where were we for our listeners that have already turned us off where Uh, were we what i was gonna say is it sounds like the servant leader uh idea strategy was plug these kids into the church get them involved they'll never leave Right. And yeah. and here's the interesting thing. People could could gauge their success. It was a measuring stick, right? And the adults that were involved, they knew exactly what was expected of them. Once a month, I'm going to plan this event on this date, which has already been pre-approved and it's about this kind of theme or topic. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get I'm going to mobilize teenagers to do that. Once the event's over, I'm kind of done. Right. So we, we, we've slowly shifted that model away from task to, another word, discipleship, mm-hmm. and then the outward approach after discipleship evangelization. I know both those words. So those, yeah, it's kind of like Lania. So um, both of these tasks are the task of yet. Youth evangelization team first charged with small discipleship groups to do an inward focus, sharing, and growth in our faith, and an outward-driven mission of evangelization. And when you tell an adult that now in a small group, they're like, uh, come again? What does Lanyap mean? So you have to then lay out for people how to do this in a a systematic way without having specifically um, a systematic approach. Like this isn't systematic any longer. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's what the church is, the the shift the church is making um, or, you know, inviting us to, you know, um, in kind of parish management when we are trying to go from like focusing on engagement to discipleship engagement's easy, right? Because we can put all of our focus on just getting everybody, you know, to sign up to be an EMHC or, you know, whatever, right. whatever ministry it is, a, a, a catechist or whatever, <clears throat> sign because sign up, sign everybody up. That way you have them here, you know, where um, they're involved. They're, they're, they're in the, they're, I don't know. I don't know why that makes us feel. I guess that we we feel like that's 
it's kind of because you know it's like the sacrament will take care of it, right? So if you're if you're close to the church, it'll rub off on you. It's easy to manage too. I mean, <clears throat> and to and to, to to track. Yeah, I know how many volunteers I have. Right. I know so that must mean this many we know people are Christians or are disciples. Yeah, yeah, and that <clears throat> only really makes us feel better. Makes the people running well, the Well, it shouldn't make better. us feel better because... No, if you have like yeah. lists of people, you're like, oh, all these people right. are involved. I'm doing my job. Yeah. But it says nothing to spiritual growth, nothing to actual conversion, to, um, yeah. you know, uh, well, even to the point... I mean, it says nothing about apostles being formed, people who are, who are going to, you know, be sent out to share the gospel. Um but it, that's much harder. All of that is much more hard. Well, and, and so I think that makes the human church kind of scared because we love tracking things, right? We have we love books, we want to control we books, which we want to control things, right? Right. But we're so used to writing it down, tracking it that things that cannot be written down, like your spiritual growth, can't mm-hmm. be. I mean, you can mm-hmm. write a story about it, but you can't mm-hmm. track it in a book. I think they scare. It scares us. The Holy Spirit scares us. The movement from engagement, from the focus on engagement to the focus on discipleship. I think that's essentially what is happening yes. with these small groups, right? Yes, and small, and, and in the only way that can happen is in relationship, mm-hmm. right? Which is why it's 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 scary and daunting, right? Because you know a relation. It's much easier to manage a, a spreadsheet of, of of people than it is a <laughs> a person. You know, <clears throat> think about the first question that almost anybody asks you when you work at a church, specifically a big church. How many families? How many families? Now that's what a Catholic, say that. that's a Catholic question, yeah. right? Most many, people say how many, how many members, members, right? Cause how that's many how parishioners? Much churches gauge yeah. It. But when, as a youth minister, what do you think the first question is? They how ask many them, teens? How many teens do you have in your program? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that, the, and that's well, supposed to tell them, them, well, that's supposed to tell, like, like, you know, I'm the minute you program. say we have 800 teens, Wow, that's exactly. You must it. be a great youth minister. I can right. say, I could say, yeah, man, Prince Peace is a great parish. We like, we really try and pay attention to what God wants for us. We try and involve the Holy Spirit in everything we do. We have these awesome evangelization events. People are just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go, we have eighty nine hundred families, and they're like, wow, you must just like have it. You must, you just got it's it, arrived. right? It's like, are you kidding? I mean, and you don't really realize it until you kind of step back and go, what's really important here? You could have a church of twenty families. Yeah, so I have to manage when people ask that question because it's like it's kind of like the the question you know when you we're in college and you go out dancing they say hi what's your name what's your major what year are you what do you mm-hmm. do right that th- those basic questions that's kind of what they ask in the Christian church they say, hi how many people in your youth program <laughs> yeah where I have to gauge like do I give them the answer to reframe the conversation um, which starts something with along the lines of it's not about the numbers or let me tell you what God's doing in the program right um, or do I just give them the passing answer that we do have very large numbers and let them think that's cool and move on? And that's not doing anyone any good or any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's hard. And and I'll tell you that I don't know specifically um, what it's like to manage uh, small groups of adults on a regular basis on a large scale. And Safanet uh, has probably some more experience in this than I do. But I do know that with teenagers um, – you know they're very they're very overcommitted as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also don't understand uh, globally. I know some of them do, and some of them are learning this. They don't, as a global group, understand the consequences of overcommitment. Mm-hmm. And so, to get teens to commit to this model of of mentorship and leadership and buying into small group ministry on an ongoing basis, without letting it slip or letting other things get in the way, or when discouragement hits. 
hanging on to that Mm -hmm. or when they get busy planning ahead Mm -hmm. to maintain the stability in that ministry. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to launch it and just let it go and bear fruit. So I feel like there's this constant ebb and flow or tug and push for me, like release them into the wild and then go out and check on them and pull them back in and then release them again. And along the way we lose some basically to, to overcommitment or burnout, or you lose some of the adults who are like, look, this isn't cut out for me. I don't have uh, enough um, understanding myself of being a disciple to make other disciples. Which is a yeah. which is a huge challenge when it comes to creating these small groups. I was talking to somebody else on staff about small groups, and she was like, "I just want small groups every day of the week." And I was like, "That's awesome, but you have to have leaders who are equipped to handle small group discussions and people who are willing to open their homes." You know, so so it's it's great to have an awesome vision for it, but you need the the I don't know the steak and potatoes of it all to get it to get it yeah. working. You know, yeah. Only disciples make disciples. Um, And that's how small groups, you know, in the best sense of the word, I mean, like in the best situation are different from, you know, Bible study or, you know, this, these facilitated classes or whatever. And those are not bad. Those are good. Those are all good things, Um, but they're just different, you know, Um, they're further down the road. Right. right. So, so what, what's different? What should, what should happen in a small group? I think that's important to kind of... Right. Um, well, okay. Well, look, I mean, we yeah. have you here because you're already doing it. I was going to say some stuff. Well, and, and I want to say my comment before, this isn't a knock on like that the yet uh, ministry has not figured it out. No, I tell right. them all the time when we gather together as just yet ministers mm-hmm. that this is a work in progress and they're guinea pigs. Right. And to remind them that the first small group, Jesus didn't have a name for it and all that, like... They were figuring out as they went too, mm-hmm. and we're we're kind of pushing into I think some new territory here. Um, that I'm I'm okay with it, looking a little clumsy, us figuring it out as we go. The hardest part is realizing we all want it to arrive now, right. and that teenagers are only here for a very finite period of time before they move off to college. They're not like your lifer volunteers who are going to be here for ten years, right? Some right. of them I get for a year and a half and they're gone, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. after they become disciples. The Lord plays this really dirty joke, cruel joke on me and says, ha ha, we're going to send them all to college. Right. And you start all again. And we start all (laughs) over again. Yeah. I think we have the highest turnover rate in ministry, not because uh, people get burned out, but because they leave home. And that's how it's supposed to be. Right. So I don't think we're ever going to arrive at the perfect model. Mm -hmm. But I know what small groups uh, after 15 years should not be. They should not be task driven. So to say what they should be, what are the important things for small group ministry? I think uh, the first thing that has to happen is is uh, I want to I didn't use this term. Other groups use it, setting the container, like building an environment of trust. I mean, think about a container. If you show up and it's a it's a strainer and everything falls out, then that's actually what happens to the people in a small group. If there's no trust, everything just falls out and sure. never forms. Mm-hmm. So forming a group that's trusted. Um, and you know, you see this happen on retreats when you launch into small group ministry, you're like, let's set the the intention at the beginning. Like, this is confidential. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be open to sharing. Um, the adults are going to share too. We're not going to f- correct anyone or fix anyone or give right. advice. Mm-hmm. And that's hard for a lot of us, right. Who have mm-hmm. arrived and figured it out right. to like sit back and let people journey with us. Right. And so after a small group, sometimes you might hear an adult say, I don't think we accomplished anything. Like we sat around and listened to, to, to Martha talk about um, her problems at home. And like we, we just listened to her. And then John told us about all the great things happening in his life. And we prayed and ate dinner and went home. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's awesome. And they're yeah. like, what do you mean? We didn't uh, do all these other things on our checklist. 
We didn't learn anything. We didn't learn anything, right? Yeah. And I don't even know how to speak into that. Like, the whole paradigm has to shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The success of small group ministry is are you growing in your faith? And are you helping others along in that journey and holding one another accountable? For sure. And when you leave here, are you supported in going out into the world to share the gospel? Mm-hmm. And that means all of us have to share the gospel. Yeah. Not just Father John, not just those of us that work in the church, not even just a catechist, but the teen who showed up last night for the first time has to go share the gospel. Pope Francis talks about this. He said, to be launched into the missionary field of discipleship making does not should not involve this lengthy training process. Mm-hmm. Get people out there doing it. Pre, you know, uh, what is it? Pre, um, like a... Um, what does he say? Like basically like Jesus sent out the 72 before they were, before they, they had the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think Pope Francis is using that as an example. And he's saying, he's saying it's okay to send people out before they're ready. You know, um, just send them out, just go, just do it. Um, make a mess. Like he says, it's famous, you know, make, go out in the streets, make a mess. Um, and then, um, you know, just trust that God will, will build on that mess, right? Grace will build on the, on, on nature. Um, yeah, a lot of things you said is just really good. You know, I think it with adults, it's, it's, um, it's different in a lot of ways. I mean, you have some unique challenges with, with teens. Um, like you said, it's a good point. You know, they leave, right? Like, um, they're, they're, they're temporary, you know, and then with young adults are nomadic, you know, they're just, right. so that's all true you know whereas there's like some couples i know there's some fam- uh, groups of people here that have been the same small group for like there's i'm thinking about this one small group that's been meeting for like 25 years mm-hmm. you know in there i think there's like maybe four or five couples in this that's group awesome. and mm-hmm. they've been literally meeting for for tw- i mean and they just share you know share um <clears throat> They meet in a different person's different house each time or whatever. And And there can be a knock on that, that if you don't understand the intention of small group ministry, people in the church would say, well, no, they need to open that up. Yeah. Like small group ministry. And this goes for everybody that's going to form small groups or be part of small groups. Small group ministry is not always open for new members. Right. Like when did Jesus recruit other people to join his small group? No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Only reason they even got a replacement for Judas is because the apostles felt there was some sort of specific importance and number to mm-hmm. the number that Jesus chose, and they right. chose a replacement for Judas. Right. Yeah. But so that's not what makes a good small group is putting into the bolt and show up at our group anytime you want. There is a place in mm-hmm. the church for groups that are always open. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. there needs to be almost a tiered approach. In other words, if you start a small group ministry, it needs to either funnel up or down from large group ministry. Yeah. So if you have a large group ministry, there can be intermediate ministries mm-hmm. and then small group ministries. I think somebody for me, if you're out there wanting to read a book by somebody uh, smarter and holier than me that kind of took this uh, model of forming intentional disciples uh, and made it actualized in his parish is, is Father Malin, who wrote the book Divine Renovation. Mm-hmm. Yep. He talks about these tiered approaches. Mm-hmm. Right. That small group ministries, again, if you're going to set the container of trust, those cannot be like a revolving door of people. Right, they no. have to be the same people sharing lives because if you come into a small group um, and you're new, kind of the the intention gets reset. Like, I now have to see if I trust this new person. To fill you in on everything. I have to fill you in on right. everything that's been shared before. And I'll tell you, this really came home to roost for my wife and I and some of the small group ministries we were part of after we lost Mary Claire. Mm-hmm. Because after like a year, you know, when you start meeting new people that didn't journey with you through that grief, we had to retell our story a lot more. 
So when we were involved in small groups, if the faces changed in that, we we didn't feel as safe to just share the depths of our heart and grief anymore. Right. Yeah. Without getting to know them first. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, I was, was going to say though. So, but so what? Sometimes people will do, and I think um, I haven't seen this really in the Catholic setting yet. I know I've seen it in, in evangelical churches and things like that. Is is they'll they'll um, you know you have a group that's been meeting for years. You know, you get to a place where you say, okay, this, like this group is still going to be us. We're going to, but how about each of us leave and take on a group, right? right. So now you, ta- you have, that's discipleship, right? Now you take, you, you take a couple and they open up their home to take four other couples. Mm-hmm. And so they have their own core, mm-hmm. right. you know, group that they keep meeting with, right. but they say, you know, we're going to stretch ourselves a little bit and we're going to pour into right. these other couples right. who, you know, and that's peer ministry, right? So, cause you, cause, cause at that point they're kind of, they're discipling these other couples. Right. Um, and, and that, that's beautiful. I, you know, right. they're apostles at that, at that place at that right. time, you know? So I think, I think a lot of times, I, you know, like Sherry Waddell talks about this in, in forming intentional disciples. Oftentimes we don't do a very good job of helping people like cross over these thresholds. Right. Like you know, it'd be st- easy to stay in a small group for 25 years and do nothing else. And not be challenged right. to say, okay, well, I mean, I, like I now feel like I'm just so different than I was, you know, like I have so much to offer. I have so much to give. I'm going to now evangelize others and, and, and open right. up my home and, 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 and how- be vulnerable to pour into other people. We don't really do a whole lot of, of helping people to realize like that's even like the goal. That's the goal. And you give them the tools to do that. That's how it grows <clears throat> organically. Right. That's right. how, that's how we, that's how we keep it going. Yeah. That's how it, you know, the yeah, kingdom of God is built in Houston. Yeah. This crossing the threshold. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part is mm-hmm. the thresholds. Right. Right. And if you, th- you think about it this way as a challenge for all those small groups that have been just constant yeah. and being, being poured into and, and really being filled also think about if Jesus's apostles just stayed in the upper room. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the model we're looking at. Right. Yeah. It's a great holy place to be in lots of encounter. Yeah, but if they just stayed in the upper room, they wouldn't have gone off and uh, changed the world. This is the big um, kind of, you know, complaint like the 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 bone to pick with um, mm. not mine, but Marjan Beckman was talking about this the, with with the charismatic renewal, because you know there are some who who say that if you're still in a prayer group with the same people that you, that you've been you know you've been mm-hmm. journeying with since 1973. Since you were you first were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there is a problem, right? Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go back and forth on that. I mean, because again, th- that core, like we talked about, that you know, that that place where you go to like fill up again, and you know. But he, what some people say is like the gifts of the Spirit were never meant like mm-hmm. yeah, they're not a private thing for yeah for just your own personal consumption. You know, right. it's it's to go and to. Mm. Um, go and to make disciples, you know, it's to go, you know, into the world, to be Jesus in the world, to have that power, to be able to go into, um, ha- you know, to speak the words, right. But to have the accompanying deeds and the accompanying power to those words, you know? Um, so when you say that God is real, you know, <laughs> it's a lot easier to believe God is real when you're, when you're healing someone of a, right. <laughs> of, if you're performing a miracle, right. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Um, and you wouldn't say it's a bad thing to have that group to go back to. 
Yeah, I think probably. Form lifelong right. friendships. Right. So mm-hmm. obviously that group needs to morph and grow. Right. And and it can't be exclusive to your spirituality. Right. Might, that group yeah. might stay exclusive That's... from the members. Yeah. But it can't stay exclusive to your spirituality. You know, we <clears> talk <throat> about we talked about yet. Yet was really the um, kind of last domino to fall for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe this new model with Connect, as far as getting small groups uh, oriented in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we started, obviously, on retreats, most kids, that's what's starting point for most of them for small groups. Mm-hmm. Right. They go on a retreat, and then there's a talk they hear, mm-hmm. and they go into a small group. Well, there's a lot of anxiety around that because the small group is the first place that something is demanded of you that just heard the talk. Mm-hmm. Before that, you could just clap along to that talk and say, oh, that was a good talk, but no response is demanded of you. You get into a small group, and a small group leader says, not only what did you think of that talk, but how did you relate to that talk? Oh, that's a different that's a different response. So mm-hmm. small groups on retreats are not new either. We've been doing that forever. But then on our Wednesday nights, our sync nights, we have a talk, and we send them into small groups. And they come on Connect Saturdays, these all-day faith experiences where they hear these powerful evangelists and we have you know, adoration and powerful worship. And again, it's not just a spectator sport. It's 800 kids, but we take those 800 kids and we put them into you know, 70 small groups. Mm-hmm. Again, how did that talk affect your life or what did your you – know, how does your life intersect with that talk or was there a point in that talk that's challenging you? That's a different – that's a different response. Right. Yeah. And so this youth evangelization team is being charged with almost facilitating these small groups mm-hmm. and being in a small group setting to go out and, and do that to peer ministry, like you said earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're incorporating it across the board, across the board in your ministry, throughout right. everything across the board. So that the word, the phrase small group is not a foreign concept to kids when they come back from college or whatever. No, and we're noticing the fruits now, like when kids go on retreats, that you ask the staff on Friday night after you finally put them to bed after like just like four hours together, you know, the Friday night of a retreat, you get together with your staff and you say, okay, thumb, thumb meter here, straight up and down thumb means not just gig them, but like it's a hundred percent. This is an awesome small group. Mm -hmm. You know, thumb straight down means we're really struggling. And then somewhere in between. And it's amazing. The responses from the small group leaders are like, I can't believe it's Friday night and they're already sharing. Mm -hmm. That's not universal. Still, there's a lot of kids holding on to stuff or putting walls up or sure. maybe just need some time to open up. But they've uh, they've credited, I think, the Connect Saturday and Sync models that the kids uh, coming on a retreat, this is not their first experience of small groups. Right. That they realize that this is part of their faith experiences to share and respond. Right. Whether they like it or not, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think I think it's uh, it's incredible, you know, because it, it makes faith personal mm-hmm. for people, right? It it does demand that answer of you like, okay, what do I think about this? Um, and whether or not they answer it out loud in the group, they're answering it in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it really does challenge people. And I think it's something that we need to look at for Prince of Peace in general, you know, and I know that's yeah. a big, that's a big challenge and that's a big step, but I well, think it's we, the direction we, we need to go. Like we were saying, mm-hmm. the bigger we get, the smaller we need to, right. we right. need to get. We did, you know, like a rise, like, you know, Katie, um, mm-hmm. Katie mm-hmm. Landry really, wrote that um and people loved it and they loved it you know they um i was just remember when we had that the screening of outcasts yep. um or you were with me was she telling anyway this couple came up to me and they they were just um sharing how much they loved outcasts and the mission and all of that and i was 
um, I was listening to him and they said, and they said, you know, we, uh, our, t- our group has been together since Arise. They've been meeting since the beginning of this three years ago or four years ago now, maybe something like that. And they've just have been so blessed by this community that's formed, you know, from these, um, these couples, you know, and, and, um, you know, and it just, it's like, that's what's possible. You know, it's like, that's really where, um, faith grows, you Mm -hmm. know, where, I mean, of course, faith grows through the sacraments, you know, through, um, through personal prayer, but we have to have community in our life. Um, intentional Christian community, not just like friends. I mean, friends are great. I, you know, I mean, we're all created for, right. But you need to have someone to be like, what is going on with you in the Lord? How can I pray for you? Right. Cause, cause that's what where accountability comes into that. play. <laughs> right. Um, that's where, you know, just base, I mean, you know, where we pray for one another, we pray with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I think people are like, I don't need that, but it's because they've never had it. That's, right. No one knows what they're that's missing. That's a good point. That's right. Correct. No yeah. one knows what they're missing. Um, I can tell you that I, I have a few young adult friends. Yes, I have friends after college mm-hmm. where we've had plenty of small group experiences where, you know, we lived in small communities. We leave and we go into the world and we're like, why do I feel so alone? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel so like, like something is missing? And mm-hmm. and I will bet a hundred percent it's small communities all the time. I don't have the person to pray with me. I don't have the person to say, listen, yeah. I did this. I need your help. Like whatever. And married couples need it too. You oh, know, yeah. so it's not, I think, um, you know, Matt, I'm sure you can speak on this, but I think if a married, if a, if a family only, you know, doesn't have, other families to to kind of walk alongside them and to kind of have this community with that's a lonely place to be too it is um, you know my, i know for us and, and and there's a there's a threshold like we were talking about yeah when you go from single person to engaged person mm-hmm. there's a threshold from engaged to married mm-hmm. and there's even a bigger threshold once you have your first kid yeah. that that young adults without kids and young adults with kids they're they're their motivations, their priorities change drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean they don't like the same things anymore. Right. Um, it just changes. At least it did for me. I'll say that personally. I know I some people it's... try and hold on to like that, that other lifestyle once they're on the other side of that, one of those thresholds. Um, but for us, uh, my wife and I, um, she got involved years ago in a familia group. Mm-hmm. Um, and those ladies, which started off as a structure and here's what they're going to do. Um, once familia was over, they decided we want to keep meeting because this is bearing fruit. Um, and so they would each year pick out like what they were going to study or what they were going to use as discussion points, whether it was a book or some sort of program or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's still very organic. Yeah. The same ladies are meeting, uh, recently they just added a, a, another lady, but when they add, they, they talk about this. Like there's been debate with them over the years about like, well, is this always a free for all? Cause it's easy for extroverts to want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that, that worries mm-hmm. introverts. Mm-hmm. Um, or is this a, a set container and, and the, with a set purpose and a trust? The cool thing that's grown out of that is this thing that we now do called Supper Club, which involves the spouses. So what started off as a ladies group has turned into a monthly married couples group. And we switch houses and whoever's house you're at hosts that night. Um, and they're the ones that like serve the dinner. And a lot of times the guys end up on the porch and the ladies end up inside outside talking about specific topics. Yeah. And it's not all frivolous. And maybe there could be even an injection of even more intentionality behind like accountability and checking in with each other. So it's just fellowship. It's not, it's it not is, like a, like the supper club isn't, there's not, there's no like 
you know, discussion, formation or any kind of... Not specifically formative, no. Um, but I will tell you that the discussions often hinge on our ministries because the cool thing about it is, although uh, a uniform group of people, at least like friendships and spouses that hang out with each other, very diverse in their ministry offerings from mm-hmm. like finance and pastoral council. There's members on it. Uh, someone that works in staff, me, um, people that volunteer in music ministry. So it's really this diverse right. group. And so we have this full sense of like this ecclesial family, cool. right? Okay, which is really, really beautiful. Really awesome. Um, but, but you know, I, I think it can still be a safe place for people to just kind of sit back and have a beer and maybe not mm-hmm. talk about what's going on in their lives. Sure. Um, but it never, but you need some to of that too, there. though, you, you know, both, yeah. you need both. Like, cause then you have no, you never have a threshold place. You never have mm-hmm. a place where someone can go and test the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, everything is deep, like you're never, you're only going to be <laughs> like, you're only going to be attracting people who can swim in the deep water, you know? Right. And then Tom um, would never be included. In exactly. Anything. What's that word? Lanyap? Lanyap. <laughs> How do you spell that? He doesn't know because it's not a real word. It's he a, just no, made it's, it up. It's a, no, I Googled it. It's a real word. How do you, you spell it, You better put that on your, like, podcast description that we're going to talk about Lanyap. I will, but you're, you're avoiding the question. How do you spell it? L-A. It's got a G in there. How do you spell it? <laughs> How do you spell it? <laughs> I don't remember it. Can I tell you where I first remember it? Yeah. And this is probably really predates Stefana because I'm much older than her. I think it has to do with money. I think it's a money thing. It is. Yeah. At A&M, do you remember Aggie Bucks? Yes. Okay, so Aggie Bucks were like these dollars that you could buy. Like at the beginning of the year when you paid your fees, they would give you a card. This is back in the day, pre-digital world. Mm-hmm. They would give you a card, like your your student ID, and they would load Aggie Bucks onto this card. So if you wanted $500 in Aggie Bucks, you tell them, in the, you know, this is a great way to get your parents to pay for it early. Right. So, like, just hide it in with the fees, like Aggie Bucks. And so then you get your your student ID, and $500 of Aggie Bucks are loaded on that. Right. Okay? So that was one. That was very new. That was, like, my senior year. Right? That was just after the invention of the printing press. So uh, the, I was going to uh, say something. But, but, but I also had a meal plan. Did you have a meal plan on campus ever? I did, yeah. Or were you the princess that had somebody <laughs> chauffeur it in? So I, I had a meal plan. <laughs> and so if I didn't use all of my meals on campus, yeah. some of those meals were transferable to like one of the little food stations oh, somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I could use my my meal as like lanyap, like a little extra to buy something, get a little credit for like a Snickers bar gotcha. or some kale chips. Gotcha. Or... So how do you – okay, thanks. Good job on, on, on stalling. How do you spell it? It's, I don't know. <laughs> try, just try. <laughs> well, I, okay. You want me to do that without Google? Yes. L-A-G-N-I-A-P-E. Wow. Two P's. That's P-P-E. really good. But that's, that's, that's impressive. 95%. It, that's impressive, Matt. That's Urban good. Dictionary. I can admit that's when I am under, wrong. Undergraduate degree from A&M and a master's from uh, <laughs> University of St. Thomas will do for you. So You're one letter off. At least I was only one letter off. Y'all never even heard of the name. No, with, I thought it was the A&M L- degree. I thought it was L-A-N-Y-A-P. <laughs> Me too. That's how you spell it. That's how you um, say it, right? Okay, so the real dictionary says something given as a bonus or extra gift. Urban dictionary, which some might argue is the real dictionary, says file not found. Nobody argues that. It's a, I, I argue that. It says a French word meaning a little something extra used primarily in the South, especially New Orleans. Bring it back. So, Bring it back. okay, I'm bringing it back. So, we should wrap like, it up. Gomer, I know Gomer um, at his parish, you know, they have community groups, right? And this, I think, this is, maybe this might be like his second time to try to, like, to try to, like. Yeah, he started it last Lent, I think. Um, yeah, what yeah. What do you mean by second time to try? Well, I think, 
Um, I vaguely remember him telling me that they had um, they had tried to implement small groups at their parish that kind of it kind of just um, didn't really take off. They're hard to launch and then sustain. It, right. They're really hard to launch and sustain. Exactly. And it's he and he said so now, you know, they have this whole you know community groups thing where essentially he is pretty much writing the curriculum himself, you know, curriculum. curriculum. I mean, he, he makes these videos. That sounds exciting. Gomer. <laughs> Well, he doesn't listen to this. You kidding me? He's got plenty to do. We're beneath him. We just taught him a new word. <laughs> Gomer is uh, in his catching foxes world. Um, which like the seventh gave. ranked podcast on iTunes or something. It's not seventh. Yeah. It's like seventieth. Anyway, anyway. Um, so he he's kind of he like he basically um, comes up with like content mm-hmm. right and right. he um and he kind of he he ha- it's you know it's it's basically like he'll come up with a theme the multi-part theme and he'll kind of preach you know um on videos and so he he that's uh, the videos what he'll send to couple to, to families excuse me or to, to to groups um to facilitators and groups right um but it's just like it's just like a lot. I mean, you know, there's just it's 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 really difficult for him to like. He said one of the hard things is putting people in groups, you know, and and right. um, to manage all about of that. How to put people in groups, right? And that's I think going to be one of the developments we go through in the quote unquote off season here. Mm-hmm. Once the school year ends, um, we're looking at um, consistency. Like, do groups can some of these groups obviously if they're working well stay together? Mm-hmm. If not, what would make them successful or what's the general makeup one thing i took um from a a soccer club that we did this past year was asking teenagers as the bare minimum after they've discerned to be part of this Mm -hmm. what night of the week works best for you okay and see i'd never been asked that question before as a soccer dad until i went to this one club and they said so what night would you like to practice and I said, wait, wait, excuse me, you're asking me what time, what night right. I want to practice? You mean you're not going to sign it on Wednesday night where I can't ever go and bring mm-hmm. my kid? No, we want it to work for you. What night of the week works for practice? And it's like a light bulb went off as I'm signing my kid up for soccer. Like, that's what we need to do with teenagers as a starting point. You've already agreed you want to be part of this. What night of the week works best for you? So the whole team doesn't practice together? This no, they do. That's how they chose the team. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh. So then we use that. I was thinking the same thing. I thought right? it was like team A. No. Two people practice Then we use that for the teams. Like that's how we form the small group. Who could meet on Tuesday night? Who could meet on Thursday night? Who could meet on Friday night? Yep. And no one could do that. But anyway, so we always put them in groups based on when they could meet. Right. See, but what I'm split on is, and I know we're talking about, you know, your experience, and I'm, I'm, and I'm. This is trying to make it systematic. Right. No. Right. 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 And I know that it's changing. You're learning. You know. You're. Um. But like with adults, like I just I have this desire for the groups to be authentic. I agree. To be organic. I agree. You know. Um. And so with that mean like, but then how do you? It's like a this tension. How do you? You know. Encourage it. And, um, you know, remember we were going to, after Thrive, the men's conference, you know, we had been playing with this idea of like basically taking those hundred men right. and like forming groups, forming groups, still a little artificial, right? S- super artificial. Mm-hmm. Like, and then also it's like in order to, you know, Just for the record, I said a little, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, for, for, you know, for small groups to be realistic, they should, you, you should kind of live in the general vicinity of one right. another. Some of those like guys them. lived in Conroe or like them. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're not going to like, I mean, that's just a real, a reality, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you. So now just to put all my eggs out there, cards out there, whatever the 
right analogy. Is. <laughs> I don't want to see it right. Neither one of those probably. <laughs> yeah. But full disclosure is that we need to reconsider putting people in small groups with people that that already enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've seen Grace this. builds I have an on nature. In group right now that isn't wasn't formed by us, but a grassroots a family here in the community with some of the teens started meeting on a regular basis at someone's house just because they felt called to. And then they gave it a structure and a form to it. And they invited a couple other people in and then they took the alteration series and they're using that as their basis. I'm like, that's beautiful. Yeah. The hard part for me as youth ministers now, I'm like, how do I multiply that for 800 teenagers? You can't. And you can't. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's like, it's hard, you know, it's hard. It's like so much harder to, to know like the, you know, what needs to happen, but not to be the, like, not to make it happen. Like, so I don't know what that means. What does that look like? Cause, cause you know, um, like I said, another parish is, is, is kind of doing it a different way. They're, 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 um, literally they started community groups and they're saying, if you want to be a part of this, contact us. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they put them in groups. Mm -hmm. Like that's one way of going about it. And we haven't decided to do that yet. I mean, we might, we haven't decided to do it yet. Um, so I don't know what is it. What do we do? Do we just talk about it a lot? You know, do we just encourage we do podcasts? It. We do talk about it a lot. Yeah, we. I think we we're talking about it more and more for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we did do a rise, right? You know, and I know like there's a there's over 200 people who signed up for a rise. Yeah, when she people first loved it, when right? she first not, just, yeah kicked it, it off wasn't financially. So how many? Well, how many retained? How many? I'll tell you that uh, I, I, I was in a small. A, a young adult small group with a rise last year and even though we didn't do it this year they're still meeting i'm not because I, i'm busy on the day that they meet but, yeah um, but they were like yeah we still want to meet let's meet yeah and so they're meeting i you know i i can tell you i've heard from a lot of people who've asked you know what's next after a rise like why aren't we continuing this you know so so it is the like because i think catholics i think and i don't mean this in any negative way i think it's no, just yeah. i think it's just the reality of the kind of um church we have they are always looking for like the church to kind of instigate something yeah that's that's the institutional ju- get church that. right like what's keeping you know a group of friends to say you know what on thursday nights you know i'm gonna host all of us let's you know come on over let's talk about you know let you know having right. a, a group and yeah is and- that another threshold that might be a th- yeah. I mean, and that might look like the Grand Canyon of a threshold, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's what has to happen, right? Right, and it's small, right? You have ten people who want to do that, right? In a parish of ninety eight hundred. But if ten couples wanted to do that, yeah. that's a hundred people in a small group, right? Absolutely. Away. Because let's say they have five couples that they they invite. Mm-hmm. That's you know more than. 100. I think it's where you have to start, yeah. and I you think have the to. initiative at, for us as staff, in some way or shape or form, needs to be. How do we call these apostles right. in and and encourage and train a little bit more so they 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 go, oh, okay, that is the natural next step. You know, there are some people out there that are that could easily take that next step if they actually knew what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. What can we leave people with um, as far as like now what's right? Well, I'd like to, I mean, if there's anybody listening to this podcast and anything about this um, has, has um, struck you as, as being true. If you are open to, to starting a small group, you know, and, and um, opening up your home or, or maybe you don't want to open up your home. Maybe that's not, um, but you, you know, you would, um, but you know, you know, you know, some couples that might be interested in starting a small group. I mean, whatever reach out to us, send me an email. Uh, you know, we can support you. We have lots of resources. We can help you get it started. Um, you know, 
we just want to encourage as many people as possible to, to, um, you know, consider this. And even if I'm going to speak for you, I think even if you don't want to be in one or host one, you need people to, to do the administrative behind it, right? If you're going to do it structured or do it, however you're going to do it, you need someone to help you in the office and in the, in the back end. It takes a lot of people to pull these off. I think it takes a huge community and community backing to pull these off. Um, and if you don't want to do it through church, get your friends together. Right. If you have friends, right. just do it. Dinner. Yeah. And then tell us about it. Yeah. And, and also there might be some people out there that um, maybe you've been a Eucharistic minister for years or an usher for years, or you've gone on the ax retreat or, you know, you, you've been doing all the things internally at the church, but you haven't really stepped out into this missionary field as a small group leader. Youth ministry is not the only place to do that. Right. It's the best place. But there's a lot. Who said that? Did you hear that? It was like from God. I think. He said something about the something's best wrong with place the mic. to do small group ministry is youth ministry. You know, I don't know that it was from God, but it could have been from another. So uh, if you're ready to be a, a small group leader, um, again, echoing Pope Francis's words, this doesn't take lengthy training like, right. I don't have all the answers. Right. Or That's probably the best, actually. <laughs> right. That's really uh, uh, honest and vulnerable answer for mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's about walking with people. If you're ready to walk with people, get involved in being part of the leadership, either in a small group or staff a retreat. Mm-hmm. Go on a retreat where you get to be a small group leader. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Or an axe retreat if you don't have experience of small group ministry. Right. Test it out. See what it's Go like. I assume they retreat. do. Yeah. I've never been, but I assume they do small group stuff there too. Yeah. Yeah. Just give it a try. Just step into it. And uh, I was I was in Mass a couple weeks ago for the, the woman at the well gospel reading. And there was a, a moment when, you know. It's a good. I was sitting there and uh, whoever was preaching said something about, you know, or maybe they didn't. Maybe I was thinking it. I do that a lot when people preach. I'm like, well, I would have said this. What it means to be, I know, proud. Very proud. Mm. I got it. It's okay. What's that? What's Nothing. That? What was I saying? Oh, so there's a moment. Just, you're just preaching. that you. You're preaching. Con- you're preaching a mass. I was writing. I was preaching my own homily. <laughs> anyway. Is your mom going to be listening to, to this? To myself. Probably she's not. To she thinks that Probably you should not. be a priest. Yeah, okay. I don't think anyone listens to this. Um, And she... So, gosh. what? I'm going to restart. <laughs> so I was sitting in mass. The gospel is the woman at the well. And I had this moment of... uh feeling very isolated, you know, like, mm-hmm. like the woman at the well kind of cast out from the community. It was like a rough day, a couple of rough days leading up to Sunday. And I was looking around me and the thought went through my head, how many other people mm-hmm. sitting right next to me, like less than six inches from me feel just this isolated. Mm-hmm. And I haven't said anything to them except peace be with you. Mm-hmm. Why don't, we, why are we so afraid just to say hello to people? Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's just me. Why am I so afraid to just say hello to the people next to me? They're there. They're my brothers and sisters. If we say that, we take that seriously. That means something. A lo- it means yeah. something. It means a lot. Yeah. So even if you don't want to be in a small group, just share fellowship with the person next to you at mass. Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing? I'm Tom. How's your day? See? That was a good homily. It was meaningful. Right? <laughs> Do you feel inspired? <laughs> It was a reflection. It it's can't a, be a homily. Let's call it a right. homiletic reflection. So. Yeah, Thank it's you. not Thank a homily you. until you go to seminary and which, become ordained. Um, which, you know, could happen. You don't know the future. Could happen. I think it's about time to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. This has been the Pop Actually, Culture Podcast. Actually, both you guys can be a deacon. We 
you could wrap it. Yep. Please. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, pray for our vocations. Uh, <laughs> if you want to email us, especially if you're interested in small group ministry, if you made it through this whole podcast, congratulations. Good for you. God bless you. We'll have a pop culture t-shirt God ready for you, you when we uh, start making swag. Email us pop culture podcast or uh, pop culture at pophouston.org. That's P O P culture at pophouston.org. Matt, thanks for sitting with us. We're happy for you and your We do love groups. you, Matt. Pleasure. We do. Love you guys. Even though we pick on you. Peace. Bye. Peace. The Pop Culture Podcast is sponsored by Prince of Peace Catholic Community. The podcast is directed and produced by me, Tom Karani, and Safana McConey. Music cred goes to bensoundmusic.com. And we want to offer a special thanks to everyone who's helped support and produce this podcast in any way, including our special guests and coworkers. And finally, special thanks to you, Prince of Peace parishioners, for your questions, for your support, and for your faith. Keep us in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer. And we'll see you next week.